I have a reservation. I'm checking in. Instant Hotel. Hi there, and thank you for checking in to Checking In, an Instant Hotel podcast with Jackson and John. We are here to talk about season two of Netflix's renowned hit, huge hit, international sensation, Instant Hotel. Um, for those of you not in the know, uh, season one premiered last year um, and really just blew up by being a targeted advertisement. I mean, the thing about Netflix is they don't release numbers uh, in terms of ratings, but I think it's safe to say that it was a juggernaut bigger than Seinfeld in its peak, uh, bigger than any other show really ever. And in terms of, you know, reality television, probably larger than the first season of Survivor, at least in terms of cultural impact. Absolutely. Um, and so we are here to record what is likely the first podcast about it, which is shocking given the magnitude of, of Instant Hotel's impact. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy that there are so many think pieces and so much to be said about this series and nobody is really doing it yet. Until now. Until now, of course. Um, so we are going to keep this light and fun, and we're going to be reviewing once a week uh, the six episodes of season two. Um, if you have not gotten into Instant Hotel, uh, season two is um, a bit of a departure from season one, and so we're going to cover really quickly how the show has changed. Yeah, I mean, season one is just way more of a commitment. Um, there's a lot more teams. It really, like, throws you right into the deep end. So it can be a little bit staggering. I feel like getting into season two first is easier for viewers. Um, I feel like we should also note that it did air in Australia on um, one of their television networks. I couldn't tell you any of their television networks, but um, it aired there first. But I don't find that super relevant, honestly, at all. Um. Okay, so in season two, we are dealing with uh, a total of four different teams. So this is a much smaller group than we dealt with in season one. Um, and uh, we are also uh, dealing with a new host. Mm -hmm. um, so in season one, we had a blandly handsome Australian man um, who was a host but not a judge. And this season, we have a host who is also a judge along with our returning judge, uh, Juliet Ashworth, who is uh, iconic. Iconic. Um, um, they bill her as being very renowned in the interior design world in Australia. Um, not that we need to like count all of this, but she has less than 10,000 followers on Instagram, so I'm a little suspicious of her credentials. Um, but yeah, the new host slash judge, his name is um, Lawrence Lewin Bowen. He is not gay, despite some evidence, um, and he, um, yeah, I don't love him so far. Uh, my first impression of Lawrence, or uh, LLB, or LL Bean, as I, I, I think I want to call him. So my first impression of LL Bean was that he looks like a gay Dave Grohl, like almost exactly. Um, or as your uh, fiance referred to him, uh, 
reincarnated Oscar Wilde. I mean, I think that both uh, of those would fit. Uh, I looked into him a little bit on Wikipedia. He appears to be an interior designer, but also I can think is just a reality TV show judge, which is something that I'd really like to get into. Um, so I'm going to look a little bit more into his career path and how I can uh, really model your uh, yeah, goals figure, after, yeah. after LL Beans. Um, so we meet this new host and we get down into the rules of instant hotels. So the rule of instant hotel is basically that you are uh, traveling as a group uh, to each other's instant hotel, which is a weird name for Airbnb that I've pulled uh, several Australians about this and they all tell me that in Australia they call Airbnbs Airbnbs. Um, so I think that this is a term made up to like skirt around copyright issues. Uh, but an instant hotel is an Airbnb. <laughs> it's a, a vacation rental by owner, um, a VRBO. So it's all of these things that already exist, but instead we call them instant hotels, which is great. It's fine. We love it. Um, and so there are four different uh, duos um, and each week, they go to one of their fellow contestants' instant hotel um, to stay in it for one night uh, to take it all in, take in the town, the location it's in, um, do some planned activities, and then uh, judge the hotel itself. Um, one other difference from season one, or I guess a couple other differences, the first being you don't uh, score how the guests were, which I thought was pretty stupid in season one. Um, it just didn't really add much, and I thought it was a really way to play the game in a dirty fashion. And then the other big change is that they're now competing for $100,000, which is way different than season one, in which they were competing for a stay at another instant hotel in America that was potentially owned by a Hollywood A-lister. Room, rumored to be owned by a Hollywood A-lister. Which in season one really um, was jarring to me because I would put that value at under $10,000. Um, and I felt like most of the people competing at least in like the championship round, did $20,000 or more in renovations to their houses to try to win this prize. So that didn't seem well thought out. Yeah, they easily could have booked a trip to Palm Springs for less money. Um, but it's also worth noting that it's $100,000, but that's Australian, um, and that's about $69,000 in U.S. The Australian dollar has really fallen over the last five years, um, so it's a great time to shop online from Australian shops if they ship to the U.S., I have found. That's just a, a pro tip. Um, so right away we get to meet all four couples that are competing, um, and so we're going to do a quick rundown of them. Um, so first there is... Uh, Debbie and Justin, uh, so a mom and her very hot son. <laughs> we love Justin. He is beautiful. He's a mama's boy, which we love. He's good to his mother. He, yeah, just... We're in. We're all in. Uh, then we immediately go to uh, Raz. <laughs> Raz and Mark. Uh, Raz and Mark are interesting. Mark has a mustache that's the length of Santa Claus's beard. Um, and Raz just likes to wear a lot of, like, wrap dresses over dresses. Um, and they are, like, the Australian version of, like, rural. 
Yeah. Their country. They're cave people. We quickly find out in the first season. And I don't mean that as a derogatory remark. Their house is literally a cave. Um, And then we meet Jay and Leah. So Jay and Leah are two young, hot people. Jay is a trainer and Leah is the model. And they um, have only recently been dating. We see them celebrate, um, as we learn about them, their 100th day of dating. Huge. Yeah. I mean, that is big. I remember mine, I think. Um, I have no idea when that was. It's like three months. I had a couple boyfriends that I did not make 100 days with, so. So Jay and Leah did a great job, and now they're on TV. And then we meet the most um, iconic couple here, who is uh, Gene and Sharon. Gene is easily in his 80s, uh, clearly has had some nips and tucks, some lifts. Um, also clearly uses just for men to dye his hair, but does not dye his eyebrows. And so you, <laughs> it's like these like gray, like barely remaining eyebrows are being anchored by this like dark brown hair that's like clearly like rinsing out every time he showers. Um, and it's also just like thinning horribly. Um, and then Sharon is the nicer looking woman who's maybe in her 50s. Yes. I wrote down that they are old and slightly less old because I'm not going to say that she's like super young. She's relatively age appropriate for him. Um, yeah. Or like now she is. Like now, yeah. There's definitely a possibility that there's 30 years between them, but it's fine now. Um, okay, so those are our couples. What are your power rankings, John? Um, as soon as you see them, who do you think is going to win? Okay, so my thought is that Gene and Sharon could actually pull out the win in this. And I'll tell you why. I think that Gene seems like he's going to be awful, as most men are. But I think that Sharon may have some taste in there. And I'm really excited to see what she has put together. Um, second, I would give to Jay and Leah because they are the hot youths. I feel like they might know what like people want in an Airbnb and be a little bit trendier and have like a little bit more of an updated taste. Third, I'm giving to Debbie and Justin. I love Justin, but like instantly I love him. Obviously, instantly I'm thinking about marrying him, but like he is he too close to his mother? The answer is probably yes. So like there's something weird in there. I wouldn't want to stay in their house. Um, I've seen Psycho. And then four, I'm sorry, I have to give Therese and Mark, but <laughs> because they introduce us at their home, I am not optimistic about them. Um, okay, so my power ranking is similar, but uh, my number one is Justin and Debbie. Um, I think I'm blindsided by <laughs> Justin's blue eyes and very white, very straight, nice teeth and full head of hair and nice <laughs> arms. Um, so I'm really just rooting for him instinctually. Um, my number two is Jay and Leah. Jay and Leah are both clearly very young and there's no way they own property on their own, but that means that one of their parents uh, likely owns a nice Airbnb that they're competing on behalf of, um, which we saw in season one. And people are usually a little anti that because they think it's unfair, but I bet they have a nice property. Um, number three, Jean and Sharon. Uh, I don't trust old people who feel fancy on this show. Uh, in season one, there's a famous fussy couple <laughs> who is constantly like telling everyone how to be chic. Um, and uh, we soon find out uh, that their house is absolutely hideous. Um, so 
I feel like Gina and Sharon could be a similar situation. And then finally, Raz and Mark. Uh, that'll pull us into this episode. So episode one is Raz and Mark's home, which is a dugout, uh, which seems to be a very sort of structured cave. <laughs> um, so it's in the side of a hill um, in a mining part of the outback called Cooper PD. <laughs> yeah, we're in Cooper PD this episode, which... Um, I could not locate it all on a map of Australia if you offered me a lot of money to do it. I have no idea where it is. Um, so Cooper PD is reportedly an iconic part of Australia where they filmed Mad Max as, as well as some other things. <laughs> um, but it's mostly known for um, being a mining town. Um, and it kind of looks like Zion National Park-ish. Like there's a lot of like flat area desert area followed by like massive rock formations that are all red so it's like pretty but also like very desolate super desolate um and the house itself is a cave it's a cave dwelling (laughs) raz and mark are cave people um and the whole place is underground um and so there are no windows uh there are air ventilation holes that are just holes drilled into the ceiling that I guess go up to ground level. So like, I just picture like lizards or spiders like crawling down these things. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's definitely natural living and that's, I thought you were going to say that it has insects because it definitely has insects. Um, Every scene (laughs) set outside has people just like wafting their faces at one point. Um, our new judge Lawrence literally has five flies on his face, <laughs> crawling in his beard. Um, so yeah, so Cooper PD is known for uh, its mining, for being a film location, and uh, now to me uh, for being an inhospitable place to film television. Um, because before the flies attack, uh, the new judges are explaining the rules of the game, and it is so windy <laughs> that there on every single person it's just like fully blowing into their face like Juliet's hair is all the way in her mouth and she's like being presented as like here's this expert judge and she is like literally just fighting her hair the whole time she's speaking and I'm just like I'm sorry did no one like call cut like wait till this windstorm went away like instant hotels the show we just like gotta get in the bag I think they wanted to keep it naturalistic um, they really don't want to well, kind of over-rehearse. Like, it's kind of like when you find yourself on the street and you're like, okay, I feel good today. And then it's just like a really gusty day and your hair is going everywhere. And it's just like, wow, I look like a mess right now. Like nobody really looks that chic in like the face of wind. So Juliet, they're not really selling her as like a chicness expert as she tries to manage her hair. <laughs> Um, yeah, so they uh, dig in and explain um, the four criteria uh, on which we're to judge instant hotels. Um, John, do you have the four criteria? I sure do. Uh, this season it is the house, the location slash nearby attractions, value for money, and quality of good night's sleep. Um, so the house we've talked about a bit. Um, the location and nearby attractions. So we get treated to um, a tour of Cooper PD. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first thing that we get to do is we board a bus. Um, we being uh, us and the couples um, 
to go see what is known as the big wench, <laughs> which is literally just like a giant wench. Um, that like, was kind of my favorite thing. Like, like a like, simple machine style, <laughs> not like a maiden on a it's like, like my, my least favorite uh, activity when we would go on vacations growing up is like, here is something and you just get to look at it. Like, there's nothing to do here. Just there it is. Like, point to it. See it. That's it. Yeah. So they're on a bus and they're like, here's the lunch. They do not get off the bus to look at it. They just sort of drive past it. Uh, so that first activity, I probably wouldn't rate very high. Um, but then our follow-up activity is uh, a golf outing. Um so the golf course in Cooper PD has no grass, no greens, no greens whatsoever. Um, but they do have individual pieces of AstroTurf you can take with you to place under your ball so that you can um, golf putt off of it. I was like, there's got to be a verb for this. So you can hit off of it, tee off. Hit your ball. <laughs> do whatever you do in golf. Um, so this is like a dusty mess of golf. Also, like not a one of the people on this trip know how to golf or like to golf. <laughs> so you just are like watching like 80 year old Gene like swing a golf club for the first time. And then uh, we get quickly introduced to the flies of Cooper PD that John was mentioning earlier. So they're like trying to golf while also being attacked by a swarm of flies. Um, and then they get to go on the third activity, which is a sightseeing um, trip uh, to look at basically these sort of like Zion style cliffs, mountain ranges. Yes. I, I don't know what to call them. So enjoying the wonder of nature. But we also forgot that before this, they did go opal mining. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yeah. So they are given like large power tools in which they are to cut away at the earth looking for opal somebody finds some but it turns out to be worthless um it seems like that would really frustrate me as a task if i could not actually like get any opal. An opal i don't know with. what i need opal for um it's just like jewelry right yeah like, my grandmother loves like opals. precious like they're like semi-precious just, stones um i would like to take some home i wouldn't want to go mining and not find anything personally i don't consider mining <laughs> an activity that's a that's a job that's like an occupation um but they do get to play with power tools which seems fun um and there there doesn't seem to be a fly problem underground which might be why people need to live underground in cooper pd um because while they're mining they don't seem to be attacked by flies nor while they're in uh raz and mark's home yeah i mean the flies kind of really are like a huge out for me. Um, I think I'd like staying underground, but it seems like the people of Cooper PD um, should stay underground at all times for their occupations and their um, living. It seems like Cooper PD should be like a mole people community. <laughs> yes, like Which tunnels is, between. Right. It should be an underground city. Yes. Um, of like 20 people or however many people live there. Um, okay, so... Yeah, that is sort of the episode. We get after that back to the house um, where everyone is going to make dinner together, talk about scoring, um, and then get a good night's sleep. Um, we also are treated to uh, Gene um, claiming that he uh, needs the nicest bedroom 
um, the master bedroom, which is very Ramona Singer um, on Real Housewives. Anytime they go on a vacation, uh, she always tries to claim the nicest bedroom and claims it for her and Sonia so that it's like, well, we're sharing, so we deserve it. Um, and so Gene is very much of that ilk. Uh, he wants the best for himself. And uh, I think this is going to be like probably something that comes up every time they travel because the group tries to come to a compromise where they'll swap who gets the master bedroom every week. And Gene's like, well, we'll play it by ear. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I definitely, I feel like they were foreshadowing that that was going to be a problem, but I also feel like I'm very astute and can tell that that's going to be a point of tension among all the guests. So I guess we'll see. Um, they also quickly realize Gene uh, and... Sharon realized that there is no bidet in this house. Um, not being familiar with Australia's plumbing uh, norms, I don't know if that's expected, um, if they usually have bidets or not, but they are clearly not happy with this. They love a bidet, they tell us in a Talking Head interview, and then Sharon remarks that she has one that you can put on top of a water bottle. <laughs> so that leads to some gross mental images of what they'll be doing later. Um, which Okay, so this, for me, that moment, uh, first Jean says, no bidet, no way, which <laughs> I think could a great be. great tagline. We have him. a lot of 2020 <laughs> candidates. One of them could grab on uh, to that one. I, I would vote a, for that. It's a cultural change we could use in the United States. Um, Absolutely. Save paper. Um and what really stri- struck me about that is that what Sharon seems to be describing is what I would think of as like a, a travel douche, like where you just bring the nozzle, but then you like can just use whatever Aquafina you have sitting around. Um, so it kind of seems like Gene is going to be bottoming later, <laughs> uh, which I think is thrilling. Um, <laughs> so uh that's the the first night there so they all wake up the next morning there's been apparently dust falling on their faces uh through those sky holes we talked about earlier so just desert dust raining into the bedroom yeah which i don't love that concept of even as much as i would love to spend a night in a cave um and i think actually one of the rules i don't know if they say this or if i just read it like when the camera shot to the rules, but one of them is that you're not allowed to like dig out any of the walls just oh, yeah. for fun. That's like their number one house rule. Um, which, uh, because I guess there could still be opals in this part of. Right. Like, can't sleep, dig for opals. <laughs> <laughs> I, as someone who's had some recurring insomnia, I think that would put me to sleep. I'd be like, well, I'd rather be asleep than this shit. Like, I can't find a fucking opal. Um, So then we get to the scoring. Um, Right. So uh, the scores go, mom's son, our boy Justin, and his mom, delightful mom Debbie, um, give Raz and Mark a seven. Um, The olds give them a five. And the young hotties... Jay and Leah give them also a five. Um, and then we get the experts reviews. Um, so Juliet gives them a seven and her biggest feedback is that the home needs to have more of an Australian feel um, and feel more like culturally relevant to the location they're in. 
um, because the house is filled with a lot of Americana like stuff about cars as well as a lot of very cheap looking Native American. I mean this in like North American Native American artwork like sort of like dream catchers and like paintings of Native Americans um, like in a very kitschy sort of like Western shop kind of way. Um, and then uh, L.L. Bean gives them an eight. Um, and he thinks that this could be on the <laughs> this instant hotel in a place that we all know, Cooper Pedy, um, a place that we've all been dying to visit, um, could be on the international bucket list list of yes. instant hotels we to have, visit. We have no idea what that means, but he gives the couple an eight. Um, Raz is very excited in a talking head uh, interview to say that that's only two off of a ten. <laughs> Uh, which I thought was really positive, honestly, like to hear somebody say like, okay, like that's just two away from perfect is it's nice. It's refreshing. Um, and so their total score turns out to be 32 out of 50. So that is our new baseline, uh, for taking the crown. Yeah. And the crown being, uh, $69,000 <laughs> in us, a <laughs> hundred thousand in Australian. Um, John, what would your score have been, uh, for, this lucky couple, Raz and Mark. So in thinking about it, I thought that the five score was too low, but I think that the seven is right on the money because I don't think that the attractions were interesting. I think that staying there would be interesting, like overnight in terms of like, this was something fun that we did for one night. But I also honestly have no idea how far it is from like nearest major airport. I think it might be like an eight hour drive or something. Um, and yeah, so I think that a seven, and I also agree with Juliet that a lot of the furniture was out of place and looked cheap. And I think that she said that if this were like a real tribute to design, I think that it could be really nice. But that's where I'm at. I'm at a seven. And just want to know that Raz did know that uh, it's not just uh, words coming from Juliet. It's real feedback and she's going to take it um, and run with it. So uh, we might get to revisit Raz and Mark's home later on and see how they've incorporated the feedback. Um, my score for them is a six. Oh. Um, I think that the furnishings inside of this dugout are unattractive um, and kitschy, bordering on like insensitive. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the yeah, just see, the overall aesthetic is like there isn't really a, a, a clear aesthetic for this home. Um, so I think that they could work on that. Um, but then just beyond that, Cooper PD seems kind of boring. Um, I'm sure that it's pretty to look at, but like there are other things that we've mentioned that are like beautiful stone areas that are pretty to look at that don't have a fly infestation problem. The number of flies in Cooper PD is psychotic. Like people are swatting them away from their face while they're still crawling on them. Like they cannot rid themselves of flies. There's no amount of bug spray in the world that could help you like even go for a walk in this place. You know, watching this episode was like, was unlike anything I've seen in humans where it's like, it was like to me when you see cows and you see flies on their face and you think like, oh, how could they even stand to like, how do they not feel that? But it's humans. And it's like, what is going on with you? How are you allowing these flies to be on your face right now? That is, yeah, that's so spot on. Um, it really is right. Like watching 
someone that doesn't have hands <laughs> interact with insects. Like, <laughs> just has a tail to like swat right. them away at lightly. Like, doesn't even have like the ability of like a dog to like shake. I guess like like can't even like they're not even shaking their head. They're just like eventually like giving in to the flies. Like, okay, you can like build your nest in my beard or whatever. Like, Ella Bean is literally harboring so many like future flies. Fly larvae are probably just crawling around in his beard. It's insane. Um. Okay, so I am thrilled to be uh, on a new episode and something that I. I'm really happy about is that I get to learn more about um, our friends down under um, because Instant Hotel is, if nothing else, I think um, a beautiful snapshot of present-day Australia. Um, and so I, I think I learn something new every week. John, what did you learn this week about Australia? I'm going to have to give my learning this week to the opal mining just because, again, I didn't know that that was something humans still did. You know, it's just like I can't even picture really what Opal looks like. Um, yeah, so I'm glad that the Australians and Cooper PD are, uh, I guess the Cooper Pedialites or whatever, are really um, maintaining that tradition and that heritage for themselves. I'm really happy for them. 50s style, like, um, mechanic shop signs and, like, car things that just, like, feels very much like a fake 50s diner. Um, I know we saw it on season one uh, where there was like a literal instant hotel that was just based around a diner. Um, But like seeing it be so much like more widespread is just crazy. And also seeing like tacky Native American, like made by white people, obviously, like paintings of Native Americans on like a hide of leather with like feathers hanging off of it in Australia is just psychotic. It's really weird, too, because it's, like, it must have a different, somewhat of a different meaning there, just because, like, it's almost like if you look at, like, if you go, you know, to Asia or some, like, to some other land and pick up some, like, local tourism tchotchkes that you think, like, oh, this is kind of cool, means something different to you than to people who actually live in the country. So it's just, it's hard to really wrap my mind around why they would like that stuff, but... I, if Raz and Mark are listening, which I'm sure you are, because this is the one and only uh, podcast about Instant Hotel, um, please uh, feel free to reach out, um, and we'd love to do an interview uh, with you about your your aesthetic. Yeah, we really would love that. Um, so that's our episode. Um, thank you all for checking in to checking in an Instant Hotel podcast, um, and now it's time to check out. Until next week when we record um, episode two. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.